people seem to have forgotten about debt and deficits and stuff, right? It doesn't seem to matter anymore. And so if you're a little bit more fiscally conservative and a little bit of right of center, I don't, you know, again, whatever your political persuasion is, but if you believe just basic in, in fiscal prudence or whatever, that's out the window. People don't care anymore. I mean, you're starting to, it used to be billions were a big number. Now it's trillion. I mean, the people can't even fathom it anymore, right? right? So it's become silly. Oil and gas makes modern life possible. The energy the world requires today and tomorrow will come from decisions made in the oil field today. Oil and gas will remain the leading source of fuel to power affordable energy that is sustainable for the billions of people that depend on the success of the industry. The oil field is a group of people, companies, technologies, and institutions working towards providing the world with safe, clean, storable, and transportable power. The Oilfield 360 podcast is a 360-degree deep dive into the leaders of the industry who will provide listeners with a first-hand account of what it takes to build, maintain, and lead the energy business into the future. The Oilfield 360 podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. United Airlines. As Houston's hometown airline, United has long been the preferred carrier of the energy sector. United for Business offers a range of programs and discounted travel options built for all of your energy, resource, and marine travel needs. Get started at united.com business. Simmons Energy, a division of Piper Sandler, one of the largest and most experienced energy investment banking firms in the industry, offering M&A advisory, capital markets execution, and investment research. For more information, please visit simmonspsc.com. Welcome to the Oilfield 360 podcast. We are coming to you live from the Fletcher Azul Tequila Podcast Studio in Houston, Texas. That is a mouthful as usual. Uh, we are actually in the Fletcher Azul studio with our new Fletcher Azul sign that I'm staring at. And I'm joined, as always, by the co-host extraordinaire, Mr. David DeRote. How are you, sir? Doing all right, my friend. How are you doing? Did you feel the energy in that? Wake, you know, it was pretty good. Them. It's pretty good. It's been a little bit of a been a, been a minute, I guess you could say. Yes. But uh, you didn't screw it up too bad. Well, that's take two. Yeah. I did the first one kind of, I stuttered over myself. At least, at least we're honest, yeah. Yeah, we're going to edit. You, the audience will never know, but it's, uh, we're going to see. I'm on espresso number three today. Yeah. I told our guest, who we'll introduce here in a minute, that, you know, I have one objective, and that is to peak on caffeine the moment these things start. So, yeah. how have you been? You've been busy. Been busy. Been well. What is your favorite saying? when you talk about how busy you are? Because I call you and you give me one of three different comments. So what would you say is, I said, David, how you doing? Drinking out of a fire hose yeah, that's a That's a good one. You're, my favorite that you say is, I'm boiling the ocean. Yeah. Which I love. I think that's one of my favorite sayings of yours, to boil the ocean. So, well, we are, uh, we're back in the, the studio's taking a minute to get ready. You can, th when you guys look at us on our new YouTube, or on our YouTube channel, you're going to see a couple things when you look at the, the studio. Kind of back here, there's no more. Uh, there's sheetrocks cleaned up. The tables, that's the only thing we're missing. Yeah. Jamie Stewart and Inquest are making us some, some tables. Yeah. But those will be done within the week. Yeah. They look awesome. The, it, they're going to be awesome. Yeah. We've got a fire going on our TV. I mean, this looks like it's a, you know, we're in the mountains. Yeah. Um, speaking of Stewart, and I promise you, secret guest, we're going to get to you in a second here. My favorite thing to do in, is, so Rob Stewart. Oh, yeah. Love needling Rob. God, I, I want to bring him on the show, but 
it's so much fun to make fun of him for not being on the show that I'm afraid. I mean, I don't want to lose that because he's yeah. so pissed he's not on it. He's dying to come on, <laughs> even though now he won't admit it. <laughs> it's so funny. So I don't know. We might have Rob Stewart on. We yeah. might just drag him out another year. We might have him back. We might have him on with Jamie. You know, his brother. That'd be even better. Yeah, be That's exactly what we should do. Yeah. Yeah. Is make him come, make him bring Jamie on the show. <laughs> oh man. Well, who do we who do we have here today, my man? Introduce man, us. we've got a we've got a, a longtime friend and and a client, Rutger Nears. He's joining us from Canada, and uh, well, he's in the studio. If for those listening, he's yeah. he's from Canada. Yeah. But he's in the <clears throat> studio. We you know we tried to do this what uh, a month or two ago. Right. We still had we had some stuff. You know, the COVID scares and this COVID reality and travel restrictions and this, that, and the other. It's just been wreaking havoc on uh, a lot of our friends in the in the uh, oil field that are either Canadian citizens or guys that are that are uh, down here doing business in Canada. And, uh, and I'm hoping uh, things will change here pretty soon. I like to go fish uh, in British Columbia every now and then, and uh, hopefully the border open up quick. So... You and me both, yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And we have uh, whitefish in common, and uh, we were trying to get together and whitefish. Uh, we weren't able to do that. So, Rutger, great to, great to see you here. Thanks for being here. We're glad to have you on. It's been a long time coming. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, where you're from and what you're up to and, and how you got in the oil field and, and all that good stuff. Well, first off, thanks for having me here, guys. Um, just like you said, we've been trying to line this up for a while, and uh, our uh, our mutual friend Howard Ruff has been uh, been strongly encouraging that from both sides. So I don't know if you know Howard, Josh, but David knows everybody. Yeah, so I know David, which means I know everybody. Right, exactly yes. by extension. Yes, yeah, guilty or not, right? right. <laughs> so you um, want to be but, careful about who you tell people how you know Howard <laughs> Ruff or that you know Howard Ruff. It, it I, I have the same mentality when I say David DeRote. I'm like, I never heard of him. Never heard of them. Yeah, exactly. So thank you for having us, or thank you for having me. Um, been uh, checking out the the podcast, and again, I'm a little bit old school, so the podcasting is a bit new to me. So, uh, but it's very interesting, and, and I uh, I like some of the previous guests you have had on, and so uh, I very much uh, appreciate you having me on. Is this your first podcast you've ever done? Yes, sir. Cool. Yeah. All yeah. Right. Welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. So. Um, so, boy, um, as you can tell, I'm not the youngest guy around, so um, to ask for a bit of history might take all the time we have a lot. Well, you're of not old until you're 90. That's what I tell Fair my enough. older friends. Yeah. So. Okay, I, I like that. Yeah, I like that way of thinking. So um, I've been in the oil patch directly since 2004 and indirectly since 1998, I believe. So I used to be in a banking business. Um, Originally, I was I was born in in Holland in Netherlands, and my family uh, bought a slaughterhouse in about two hours south of Calgary, and so I went from Amsterdam to uh, to a little town called Fort McLeod, Alberta, and so um, and was introduced to the oil patch there, and uh, went to university in Edmonton, and and um, kind of went back and forth around uh, back to Europe, and and lived out in Vancouver on the on the left coast there for a little while. Yeah. And, Learned that I didn't want to stay there for too long. That just didn't jive with with what I'm about. So, um, came back to Calgary in 1998, and I was in uh, in the banking world. And um, we had uh, you know corporate, commercial, a little bit of investment, a little quasi equity, those kinds of deals. Where the, you know the oil patch, the the especially the gas side of things was really starting to take off. And 
Um, so we spent a lot of time. Um, we actually, the bank that I was with, I won't mention names, but the bank I was with at the time decided that they didn't want to be in the EMP space anymore. So um, we decided, uh, my boss and I decided we were going to go and set the world afire on the oil field services side. So we started, we went from basically zero to a billion and a half dollars of oil field service side um, exposure, I guess, within the span of a couple of years. And so I was always drawn to that side of things because people were hardworking, honest, um, worked hard, played hard, always, you know, but you always kind of got what you, what, what you saw, right? There was never a whole lot of interpretation, which, which was nice, right? There's right. lots of times where you have to read between the lines, but I, I don't like that. And so, um, it was great. So, um, one of my clients came up to me, um, you know, a little while into it and asked if I'd consider joining them in, in a CFO capacity. And, um, I was uh, very hesitant. He had uh, he had thoughts about going public. Um, he wanted me to be CFO, and I was like, "Nah, I can. Uh, I know what to do with the numbers once they're prepared. I've I've got a finance background, but um, if you're asking me to put them together, you're you're looking at the wrong guy, yeah. right? So, and especially in Canada, it seems like the the CFO CFO role in Canada is is largely an accounting role, whereas the CFO role in the U.S. is more of a finance role. And so if you want to be, you know, become a public company um, CFO in Canada, generally speaking, you have to have a CPA. And so I, I said, no, um, I, I kindly passed on it. We kept talking and it was 18 months later, I joined uh, his company. It was a company called uh, Pure Energy Services at the time. Um, we were private. Um, we didn't know what the heck I was going to do. So um, I got the role of that you give to everybody that you don't know what to do is VP of corporate development, right? So that's what, <laughs> that's the old title I got there. And so we, uh, we were intent on growing and we were hoping to get, um, get into the public markets at some point. So um, I joined in July of 2004. I had a uh, two-year-old and a six-week-old uh, daughter at the time. And we backed the truck up. And so I said, okay, this is my opportunity. Let's go remortgage a house. I have the best wife in the world. She was very supportive. Um, I'm a lot of times thinking, am I crazy doing what I'm doing? But we remortgage everything. We said, okay, this is, let's, let's go. If we're going to do this, let's go do it. And so we, uh, that was 2004 in July. And uh, Emily had literally been born in June. Oh, and uh, on June 22nd, I started right after Stampede. And so this is a little funny aside. So I'm, I'm looking for Kevin. And I've, you guys have been to Stampede before, oh, right? Yeah. So Stampede can be a little distracting. So let's put Stampede it that way. Stampede is awesome for those of you who've never been. It is, right. I mean, just to give the audience a example of what Stampede is, it's, it's the Houston barbecue with, I feel like, I don't know how to describe it. It's just a bigger party. It almost feels like a bigger party. It's like the Canadian Super Bowl. What are well, you talking that's about? that's what it is. It's, it's, <laughs> it's like the barbecue that's the three-day barbecue at the front end of the Houston Rodeo that lasts, that party scene lasts for two or ten days or whatever. Ten days. Yeah. Ten, ten days. days of debauchery. And yes. When you're young and full of stuff, then you you can make it last for ten days. Yeah. And now you get very specific as to which. It, uh, I'll go Thursday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tuesday is actually the good day to go. Sorry, but okay. yeah, Tuesday is usually when when we go. But uh, so, anyways, I was I was waiting to go, and and so Kevin Delaney, the the old CEO for Pure Energy, he uh, he was supposed to get me a contract, and it was uh, Stampede Parade Day, and so we were. I was anxiously, and we, we always had a little thing where we'd go golfing morning a stampede parade, and so I'm coming into town, and, and I'm trying to get a hold of Kevin because I'm supposed to start the following week. And 
I don't have a, I don't have a contract. I don't have an offer letter, right? And my wife is there with our six-week-old daughter, and no, not even at that point, and uh, new brand new daughter and a two-year-old, and she's going, uh, "Are you sure about this? We just re and yeah, don't worry about it." So, and it was I found Kevin in the basement of the International Hotel in downtown Calgary, and. We, uh, of course, he didn't have the offer letter with him, but we had a good time that afternoon. <laughs> but anyways, I started in early July there. Um, we, uh, we were at that point in time, we were flowback and uh, uh, so, so well testing and, and frack flowback and wireline. So um, we were full service on the wireline side. We had slick line, e line, we had the whole full gamut of things and, and flowback and well testing. Um, and then we uh, we grew. We we actually ended up uh, buying a, uh, a drilling rig company, uh, a dear friend of ours that we'd worked with for a long time, Dave Hemsing. He's still and uh, we're we're still doing business together today. Um, and so we ended up growing the business quite a bit. Um, we were able to take the company public in 2006. Um, we went public um, with the intent of starting a frack business. Well, we did start a frack business. Um, we had since 2004, we also moved into the U.S. We started out in, uh, in a Jonah field in Wyoming. And so uh, in Canada was down there. And so we were able to get into the Jonah field. And that's, that's how we got our, uh, that was our foray into the U.S. oil field. And then we, uh, we went from the Jonah field into the uh, Grand Junction, which at the time the Piance was, was rocking and rolling. And so we built a couple of frack spreads. And, uh, um, and then the world kind of fell apart in 2009. Uh, we were rocking and rolling and, and the world kind of fell apart. And uh, long story short, we kind of had to, we were sitting there, I think in 2009. And so my dear wife, who's completely trusting in what I do and I'm coming home now saying, oh, good thing we're young, honey. At the time <laughs> we were young, we're starting over. So um, I, we thought we were done. We were, um, it, it was not a, a good or comfortable situation to be in, uh, very reminiscent of last year. Um, but uh, so we uh, we decided at that point in time we better restructure the company, and so um, we we ended up doing a deal to grow our our flowback and wireline business. Uh, we bought a company by the name of Canadian Subsurface at the time, uh, which the the CEO there his name is Brad Gable. He's he's on our uh, he's our lead director for uh, Edge OFS today. Um, so we, we put the two companies together. We had a uh, $100 million worth of combined debt and negative EBITDA, so it was uh, fairly uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> but then we, uh, we went and uh, we sold the, the drilling rig business back to Dave. Uh, we, we ended up selling the frack business, and we got our balance sheet in, in order. And, and in 2012, we sold, uh, we sold the company. So. Um, oh, that was good timing. Yeah, it was very good timing. Um, and so I, uh, I was actually, I'd moved down to Denver in 2010. When we did the deal with, with Canadian Subsurface, we had, there was three of us in Calgary. And um, Calgary was, was a de minimis market at that point. And we were saying, okay, that's basically status quo, where the opportunity was to grow the business was here in the States. So I moved my family down. Again, I've got a great wife. Yeah. I had three kids by that point. And uh, so the three of the five of us moved down to Denver and uh, had a great time in Denver. It's a great city. It's kind of a sister city to Calgary. Very, very a lot of similarities. Um, and then we sold in 2012. I moved back up to Calgary in 2013. Um, I stayed with uh, FMC Technologies, bought Pure Energy at the time. Uh, stayed there till uh, till basically September of 2016. Am I going on too long here? No, 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 no. That's okay, good. Good. Um, stayed there till uh, September 2016. 
there was a lot going on at that point in time. 2016 obviously wasn't a good year either. Um, and so we had actually, uh, um, earlier that year, we had been trying to sell the, the, the wireline business, the, the old pure energy wireline business. Um, it, it wasn't central or core to what FMC was trying to to accomplish with uh, on the completion side and so we were finally in a position where um, they were they were wanting to sell that that piece of the business um, and that's where Brad and I got reengaged again where um, and and that's how we ended up with with our current um, equity sponsors is edge natural resources they stepped in and, and bought uh, the wireline business which is now called reliance oil field services so called what reliance oil okay. field services yeah. and so um, you know that was it was based out of Tulsa Oklahoma um, edge natural resources had made an investment into that company and so um, Reliance was was the company that that bought that, and it was a, a complete North American platform of of wirelines. So, um, pretty sizable operation too. Yeah, we got about eighty trucks, and so you know, kind of spread out between you know the two countries, and I think we have thirteen operating bases, um, and so you know, from Fort St. John, British Columbia, down to Estevan, Saskatchewan, and then we've got uh, Colorado and and the Permian and. Um, we, we were in a couple other areas or locations before, but again, everybody's had to make some yeah. difficult decisions here over the last little while, but, um, yeah, we're, uh, and you're back in Calgary now. Yes, sir. Prang and Associates, the global energy search leader. Prang and Associates is the world's leading executive search firm totally dedicated to the energy industry. Over our 39 years, we have assisted more than 750 management teams and boards in 75 countries and conducted nearly 3,600 engagements. For more information, please visit prang.com. Range Valuation Services. Range is the only oil and gas-focused valuation and appraisal firm in the financial services industry. Range specializes in appraising and valuing oil field equipment, machinery, inventory, and property, and customarily works directly with clients, lenders, investment bankers, insurers, and private equity and debt sponsors. For more information, please visit rangevaluationservices.com. What's going on in Calgary? That's one of our favorite cities. It's sad, to Is be it, honest. It's just sad all the way around. The last, I read somewhere there was 13 million square feet of vacancy in Calgary. Like it's, it's almost 30%. That? 13 million. That's one of the best million. business cities in yep. North America. Yep. That so, is a shame to hear that. It is. And so, um, you know, the plus 15s, I mean, it's, it, yeah. th that's salespeople make a living working the plus 15s. So right? the plus 15s, for, again, for those who don't know, it's a, those are the, the walkways between buildings. Correct. That you can just connect to all the different buildings. Right. You never have to go outside. When it's minus 30 below, you don't want to go outside. It's a pleasure to have those plus There's 15s. There's a reason Houston has tunnels, too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> People don't want to walk on the street. Exactly. Either. Same thing, right? Yeah. So. Unfortunately, the, the plus 15s have been devastated, right? So businesses, like long-standing businesses that have been around, it, it's just empty. It's like a, it's a ghost town. Mm. Yeah. So it's going to take probably a, 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 my neighbor is also a friend. He's, uh, he's a commercial real estate broker, and he thinks it's, it's decades in the making to fix this in Calgary. Decades? Yeah. Well, yeah. 13 million square feet, that's... You don't I absorb mean, that over. That is tough to hear that because I mean, look, a lot of those companies were oil and gas companies as yeah. well. Yeah. And they're just they're gone. And there's nothing going on up there at all. Well, so 
you know, one of the things that, that was always frustrating being on the service side of things was um, it always seemed like whenever there was a downturn or there's a blip, um, the EMPs would basically lean on the service companies, right? So the service companies always ran pretty lean, mm -hmm. uh, you know, but the EMPs were fairly bloated. And a lot of times we'd have to compete with that. They'd have the golden Fridays where they'd given their people Fridays off and they had, you know, all these little perquisites that, that the rest of us couldn't afford. Um, and then they'd go and hire our people, right? And which is usually a good thing. I don't mind our customers hiring our guys because that means we're doing something right. And it's usually not a bad thing, but it was difficult from a standpoint of competing against that because it drives your wages up. And so it drives all your costs up. And so it was always interesting to me that um, how the, the whole time we're, you know, every few years we'd have a, a downturn or whatever and, and the service side of the business would have to cut and slash and, um, and, and yet it seemed like the EMP side was largely intact and until 2016, right? That's, that's really, and, and I think now, um, the death nail last year. Yeah. And, and 20, yeah. Early 20. 20. Yeah. It started in November, 2014 and then it got worse throughout 2015. Yeah. It was really 2016. Right. So, uh, so I think 2016 is right when it's, it started going down and COVID was the icing on the cake, obviously. Right. Yeah. But, um, so I think, you know, we used to have the 13 going back to the 13 million square feet there was probably a lot of that i have no idea what the percentage would be but but i'd say a fairly sizable percentage of that was probably sitting empty regardless because a lot of the a lot of our customers would have two or three floors just so they could have contiguous space or whatever that they'd need for future expansion or whatever right so so it wasn't like all that was gutted some of that was sitting empty already but yeah they've definitely um they've resized and i and i think with automation with some of the things that have that have gone on i don't see that office space being required for a long, long time we had somebody on here one time that he was so doom and gloom about <clears throat> and, it was, and he turned out to be right but we basically were like well this let's just turn the podcast off like this was brutal if you are a commercial real estate person listening because we have a huge Canadian audience as well, yep. by the way. Yep. Um, if you are a commercial real estate agent in Canada right now, you are t turning the channel. You're like, oh right. my God, this is terrible. Yep. That stinks. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, That's sad. It does, because always, always, you know, referred to Calgary as kind of like North Houston. Right. And uh, yeah, you shame. need to get your stuff together like we have in America. Yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> we, we obviously know what we're doing down here. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> but you know, it's it's funny because I see both sides of it, obviously, yeah. and and I'm involved on both sides very deeply, and and I look at um, there's so much virtue signaling that comes out of the Canadian side, and 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 yet we have we have a bloody mess up there, right? I think we've yeah. taken on more more debt than than almost anybody in the G20, and 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 I was it just had this lunch conversation today with a, with a friend, and and he said, you know. People seem to have forgotten about debt and deficits and stuff, right? It doesn't seem to matter anymore. And so, if you're a little bit more fiscally conservative and a little bit of right of center, I don't, you know, again, whatever your political persuasion is, but if you believe just basic in in fiscal prudence or whatever, that's out the window. People don't care anymore. I mean, you're starting. To, it used to be billions were a big number. Now it's trillion. I mean, people can't even yeah. fathom it anymore, right. right? So, it's become silly. I think that was some somebody's. That was at the launch talking about the other day we need to we need to change uh million and billion and trillion because they sound too much alike mm -hmm. and sadly uh education globally 
is, uh, I think, could be improved. But to your point, it's amazing how people just just assume that it's one and the same and like, you know, a couple of trillion dollars here is no big deal. And right. it's like, you have no idea. Uh, but anyways, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to see the results of all that. But um, not to, not to focus on doom and gloom. Let's talk about some positive stuff. Sure. Wait, 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 before, to... before we move away from Canada, okay. real quick, if you know, if you know David and I's podcast, we just invite ourselves to whatever we want to go to. So when Stampede turns back on. Yes, sir. We humbly accept your invitation. 100%. For that Tuesday event. And the Tuesday event, I will be all smiles, be ready to go at about 7 a.m. and be ready to shut her down at about whenever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but after that, but don't you're on, on your Wednesday. own. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I will not be there for you on Wednesday. How's yeah. that? But Fair yeah, enough. Tuesday, I will be your wise. I'm going to let him be on his own too after that day. As well, <laughs> yeah, so. exactly. No, it is a great time. Yeah. I'd love to. Well, host we cheer you guys all the Canadian yeah. friends. We wish you guys the best of luck because that is truly one of our favorite places. Yeah, so. thank you. Yes, thank you. So let's talk about what you're up to now. Yes, so sir. we 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 talked a little bit about Reliance. So tell us tell us how Reliance and everything else fits in with okay the broad edge so i told you how we got involved with with edge natural resources there um so in in the tail end of 2016 we had the opportunity to uh to put a bid in uh for a flowback package and so uh um with their sponsorship we were able to uh to, to we were successful on that um it was it was kind of an interesting it was a it was a very interesting deal and and again everybody was trying to fix their balance sheets and so this was a company that had several different uh, business lines and they they wanted to get rid of the one business line so that they could uh, take care of their balance sheets so um, we were able to to pick that deal up and we thought timing was pretty darn good um, you know it was we'd been through the worst in 2016. Um, you know, we were able to, uh, basically, um, a lot of our team came along for the ride. Um, very proud moment of my career where the guys all left what they were doing to come join, join us. And, and we started up ideal completion services and, and, and again, on a North American basis, we have Fort St. John, we had six operating bases, seven operating bases and, um, throughout North America. And, um, the guys all came along and, and not only that, they wrote checks to, to come along and, uh, which is, you know, a, a great, I think it's a great model, right? And sure. that's what we always tried to do with the pure energy side mm -hmm. thing, uh, things too. So, um, so we, uh, we started up ideal completion services. Um, like I say, I thought timing was great. Um, nobody foresaw COVID hitting obviously, but, um, but you know, we, uh, we grew very quickly out of the gate. I think after month three, we were cash flow positive and, uh, and we never kind of looked back. And so it was, uh, it was good timing, um, and then um, with with within the broader edge group. So that was in 2017. In 2018, um, Edge also bought a company called um, Ironclad Energy, and so provider of uh, uh, pump down pumps, mm -hmm. so frack pumps for for pump down purposes. And then um, through that acquisition, um, the CEO for that um, was also previously in the coil tubing business, and so. Um, we greenfielded, well, didn't quite greenfield, but we, we bought a company called Wise uh, Production Services out of, out of Canada. It was a cold tubing provider, and that started up Gladiator Energy. And so, and so we refurbed all those, and that's where I refer to the greenfield. We refurbed all those units, uh, built a few new big um, 
large diameter deep extended reach coil units and and uh, that was uh, basically 2019 uh, by the time that was all finished up so so those were the the big companies that we had in in um, under under the umbrella of fuel there's also a drilling company um, again our f- friend Dave Hemsing um, but it, obviously drilling isn't part of the completions platform but um, that that's also part of the the edge natural resources portfolio so we were sitting around at the board level saying okay what how do we ultimately try and manage our way through this and we said you know listen at the end of the day what the ultimate uh, uh, like the nirvana for me would be to say okay we can keep our teams together uh, for as long as we can and and if the the opportunity presents itself for an IPO or some kind of a public um, uh, public exit where ENR you know being a private equity group they've got their uh, their liquidity needs and but we can keep the keep the team together right and there's been a lot of loyal people and and they're not their their friends their employees their you know their their family right so um, we decided that was the the preferred way to try and and organize ourselves so that's when we created uh, edge OFS and that was in in 2019 is to be the umbrella corp um, so that if a uh, an IPO opportunity presented itself, we'd be ready to go because you know again you want to get all your all your ducks in a row, right? From a from process standpoint, from procedures, all those kinds of things. So at that point in time, we very naively thought, you know what, 2020, mid 2020 should be a good. Uh, <laughs> we, we should we might be in good yeah, shape. Everybody, that, right? everybody thought uh, 20 was going to be a good year. 100%. Why wouldn't you? Shaping exactly. up perfectly. Yeah. Exactly. And so <laughs> and it was um, until March. Yeah. Until March. Somebody yep. came up with this COVID stuff. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> until somebody created that somewhere. Right. Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah, so that, that's that was kind of our intention there. And that's why it was Edge OFS. And, and again, I always tell our guys, like, don't worry, Edge OFS isn't, isn't real. It's it's there to, to, to basically get everything, get our back back of the house in order. You know the companies are ideal and and Reliance and Ironclad and Gladiator, right? Those are those are the companies, and um, so you know Edge OFS is just whirring away in the background, kind of um, in a support role, right? So um, so that's where we have we have uh, our IT and our HR and, and finance and all those groups are on the Edge OFS level, so that we can split that out sure. and and have a higher consolidate level. the back yeah. office. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, smart. Exactly. So. So that's where we're at today. Um, How involved are you and is your management team at Edge to going out to each one of the different divisions? And do you call them divisions or comp- what do you call it, companies? Yeah, yeah, divisions, companies, yeah. Either or it's kind of interchangeable. So each each division has a president, right? So um, and and CEO. So so that's where um, you know I'm still the CEO of, of Ideal Completions. Um, Charlie Pru, um, you'll meet tonight. Charlie's the uh, president of, of Reliance, and then Chloe Gant, still CEO, president of, of Gladiator, right? So, um, so it's again, it, it's um, we're we're very involved. We're we're very much, um, you know. Again, obviously, there's been significant travel restrictions over the last little while, which has been the bane of, you know, we're all we're, we're all service guys now, right? It, we like to get out there. Mm-hmm. That's that's where you get all the information and. Um, glad to say that it looks like we can start traveling a little bit and that those restrictions. Well, are you know, off. two things on that note. One, we're contractually obligated to mention our sponsors whenever we can. And uh, United Airlines is one of the sponsors in 2021. Is that what you were in? 21? Yeah. yeah I think so. Yeah, which is pretty cool. And one of the things that they're going to do, because they're going to come on in the next couple of weeks, is talk about like what does travel look like back, yep. you know, our new situation here. And that's part of it. And the other part is, you know, we have a Canadian office at our company and 
this poor guy is great. He can't he can't get out of Canada. He can't get out of the office. He's stuck up there. And right. he just came down maybe a month ago for a couple of days and went back and he was okay. But now they, they've relocked you guys up, if I'm not mistaken. Or it's hard to get out of Canada. Yeah, it's so crazy. Daniel Energy Partners, in-basin research you can trust. A leading provider of U.S. oil field research, known for its original boots-on-the-ground research approach, as well as its famous barbecue events. Daniel Energy Partners utilizes both its extensive network of top oil field professionals and frequent in-basin field tours to provide real-time market intelligence. Visit DanielEP.com for information. Locked in Global Energy and Marine, uncommonly independent. Lockton is the world's largest privately owned insurance broker and risk finance advisor. Lockton's global energy expertise is centered in Houston and represents the largest concentration of energy specialists, clients, and experiential knowledge in the upstream, midstream, and downstream segments of the oil and gas industry. Visit Lockton.com for more information. Upright Digital. Upright Digital specializes in partnering with your business to maximize marketing efficiencies. We have a deep understanding of people, their needs, motivations, behaviors, as well as the technologies that enable brands in many industries to utilize what is available in a changing digital landscape. Find us online at uprightdigital.com. The, the border's locked. Um, I've, again, we share uh, Montana in common. Um, for the first time ever, I've had to rent out that because we could, we knew we weren't be able, going to be able to ski there for the winter, right? So, um, yeah, it's 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 not good and it's not easy. And so I, uh, I'm I'm leaving on Friday morning, and uh, I'm going to see if I can get past. Uh, hopefully, nobody from the Canada. Customs and Border Patrol is listening, but well, we'll launch this uh, late. But yeah, we'll get yeah. you back in the. Country. So hopefully, I'm, I, I'll have no issues getting back there because they do have COVID jail. I keep calling it COVID jail. You're supposed yeah. to register for a hotel before you even go, and yeah. and I'm not going to. I'm just going to go back in and, and act brash and just say, hey, listen, I'm 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 working down here, right? And so I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to keep people from going to Phoenix for. Uh, a sure. golf trip, right? Um, I don't think they're trying to keep people from working. So, so so far we've had again on the drilling side, um, we've had some guys going back and forth. We've got a lot of people from from Canada there that are that are running our rigs here in West Texas, and um, so they're going back and forth. It seems to be okay, but it really is. I mean, there's, there's how has been communi- How has it been communicating with your teams and divisions? Brutal. Brutal. Yeah. You know, I keep hearing, oh, productivity, work from home. I am not buying productivity it. Productivity is down, down. significantly. Absolutely. I don't care okay. what anybody tells me. Like, uh, it's it's not the same. And, and looking at somebody over a screen and, and, you know, all the jokes about, I wonder if they're wearing pants and all that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> they're but, true. I mean, it's, it's true. But, you know, it. I think it started out when it, this first, it was kind of neat, right? Everybody was kind of going, everybody was pretty engaged in the whole process. It was like, oh, okay, well, we can do this, right? And okay we we literally had a black swan event happen and so you always try and prepare for a black swan when one comes at you and and things still go that's that's pretty impressive yeah. right so you're pretty yeah. excited about that and i think everybody was very gung-ho and it wasn't that long until after that and i started noticing became a pet peeve of mine where i'd start looking and seeing how many people because you always tell 
people that start looking at their phones, right? And so now they're listening with one ear and they're kind of, hey, Jim, yes. what do you think? Uh, what? Sorry? Yeah. Sorry, right. I couldn't hear you. Broke couldn't up. hear you. Yeah. 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 Bad connection. I've got connectivity issues. That was the other one. I got a friend of mine who had, um, he had the, the top uh, quote for 2020 is you're on mute. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I think anyway, so. I, I think there's been a huge loss of productivity, but but the hardest thing is that that team, right? That that element yes. of team, that family, that the, and people start going, and they they start splintering off, right? So they start going their own directions, and I think um, you can your mind can go to weird spots when you're sitting in your in your den at home, and you've got kids that are you know they don't they're upset because they can't go to school that like mm-hmm. you've got all these different things tugging at you. you you're hearing about layoffs left right and center i think your mind can go into some pretty dark spaces pretty quickly um and then that's kind of exacerbated by we've got our, our our we have to the way we drive revenue is out in the field and so that wasn't stopping well it did for a little while but um yeah intermittently that was still going on and so I was very, very um, conscientious. The last thing I wanted to do is give the impression that you guys go ahead and, and go out there and put yourself at risk. But, you know, here in the office, we can't do that, right? So I was actually, I was back in the office kind of in April, even though we weren't supposed to be. I just started going back in the office. I, it was good for my mental well-being yeah. just for a sense of normalcy, right? And then people just started coming back in and... and uh, we still, to this day, going back to the restrictions that we have in Calgary, I mean, the, there's four phases of reopening there, one being the most restrictive, four being kind of wide open. The return to the office scenario is under phase four. And so people still aren't supposed to be going to the office now. You know, listen, this is this is the biggest debate other than, you know, is your microphone on? The other second thing that people talk about the most is what is the right thing to do? And I, I'm not here to solve it one way or the other. I will say that <clears throat> I am, I've, I've always loved Texas. I'm yep. from Texas. I was born here. I've never been so happy to live anywhere in the world than Texas in the last 12 months. Cause I, I know things have been different. I know this, I'm not, but I gotta be honest, my life doesn't feel other than the travel. I used to travel quite a bit. Right. Other than the travel, I haven't really noticed. Maybe some restaurants are smaller here and there, but I really haven't noticed it. I still think Josh is who gave me COVID back in July. Oh my God, that was the funniest thing. That was the that's, what, that's the last time you and I spoke because I was wondering if you were going to go up north. Yeah, and you had COVID. That's right, because you were supposed to go to Alaska. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna tell the story. So David and I were, I very rarely get to I tell the story because I don't like to say. It, but we were on a private plane together, and uh, we were out for an event in Midland, and uh, <laughs> you know it's this was right in the middle of it. Right, so being being within two feet of anybody was terrifying. Nobody knew what to do. So whatever, we we kind of went out and took our chance, and we drank our share of tequila. A lot of tequila yeah. that trip, so, which I view as helping me survive. COVID Hopefully, free. Fletcher Azul. Yeah, uh, Fletcher yeah. Azul. Yeah. It, was, it was an event at Aaron Marquez's place, yeah. actually. So we go out there, and we all come back. There's four or five of us on the plane. <laughs> we get back, and then everybody knows the next day David has to go to get tested so we can go to Alaska for this prepaid trip with his father that's like a once in a lifetime thing and he calls me the next day and he is just hey you gave me COVID <laughs> he's so pissed I start laughing I go I don't have COVID he's like yes you do he's like I know it was you I know you gave it to me and I I didn't have it 
I, might, I don't think I had it, and he is just lighting me up, and I can't stop laughing. I feel terrible because I know he's lost a ton of money. Oh, no. But he just – so then he goes and has to tell people, hey, just let you know, which right. is like the call of shame. Like, hey, right. I'm sorry. Especially but back I, then. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I have COVID. You know, I'm sorry to put – and everyone's like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, we, we took our chances. And then before he'd hang up, he's like, just so you know, Josh gave it to me. I know Josh. <laughs> <the one> that, <laughs> so you've been a scapegoat for about oh, a year man. now, yeah. I lo- I've been telling that story the whole time. It's so funny. That's awesome. Yeah, so look, we all took our chances, but and I do. I feel terrible. I'm not. I don't think I gave it to you, but I've always felt. No, I, I, I know. I don't know. You know, that's a funny thing. You never know where you're gonna get, get this stuff from. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. I, I I definitely want the Canadian border open back up. Because yes. let me tell you, the even though we joke that uh, that Whitefish Montana is is Canadian for Tijuana, uh, that. Uh, <laughs> We've got way too many Californians in, coming into Montana. We need we need our Canadian brethren back. They're in, everywhere. Uh, they're yeah, everywhere. They're everywhere. Yeah, they're, they're selling those here. houses in Sacramento for a million dollars and moving to places yeah. that are cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah, so, bring us back, David. I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought on <laughs> that story. Just cracks me up. <laughs> Everybody was fairly cool about it, uh, which it, was which was nice. But man, it was it was terrible. It was like, you know, it was, the the worst thing is it's like. You know, with an STD, they know how to kind of treat that, I guess. And you called up some of your older buddies who are older, who are at the at-risk deal, and, you know, you were hugging each yeah. other and talking about all this stuff. You go, hey, man, I might have gave you COVID. It was nice knowing you. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's like, it's the most oh, awful that's thing That's exactly in the world. what I want. It was terrifying. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, before we leave, I, I think that's one of the awkward things. So I was here in January. And, and we were trying to get together in January, but one of the, the issues I had, so I went to the field and um, unbeknownst to me, walked into this super spreader event. There's all these guys that ended up having yeah. COVID. And um, so I was, I was making the rounds and I was a little bit more careful on this trip because I, I was, you know, Denver, Tulsa, North, you know, Brighton, Midland, Houston, all these different places I was going to visit. But then I find out that one of the guys that was on location had COVID and tested positive. And so now it's like, oh, oh now what do I do? I'm going to Tulsa to go meet with yeah, with the office. The trip, you tell everybody. Right, yeah. with the bankers and everything else. I'm, I'm going to meet a whole bunch of people. I've got all these meetings lined out, and I'm, I'm going, I don't know what I should do here. So um, because the other thing is if I did test positive, then – now all of a sudden I'm stuck in, at the time I was in Tulsa and I'm, I'm, now I'm in a hotel room in Tulsa for 14 days. Well, I love Tulsa, but I, You'll you know, 14, 14 days, days in, in the old Marriott, yeah. whatever downtown, that's not a whole bunch of fun either. Right. So it, it, it quickly kind of just, just ballooned a little bit, right. Or, or snowballed because it, you just all of a sudden it gets real because then you need the test to come back right mm-hmm. they won't let you on a plane without a test to come back so anyway so that that is a bit of a, a a factor that you still have to consider now right because you're right it's all of a sudden is do i have to start calling all the if i did and thankfully i didn't i didn't get it but um it would have been somewhat embarrassing to have to call all these people and say hey listen i could i could keep talking about this the the part of this john daniel Oh, yeah. He outed me to everybody. Once he heard that, he called my whole office. Hey, is does Josh have COVID? <laughs> so then I had to come into the office, and everyone's like, "Hey, do you have COVID?" Yeah. I said, "What?" I said, "Did DeRoad call you?" He said, "No, John Daniel called me." I'm like, "Golly, this yeah. is it's getting sold well, out here." To John's credit, you know, he's such a germaphobe. Yes. He did call me every day to check just on to check on me, make sure I was still alive. And it was so, to, you know, I wish I had really something important to tell people, but I'm. 
you know, my wife, she thought I was going to be in Alaska. So she took off with our son and the day before I found out. So I totally ruined her, her, you know, time away. I'm stuck at the house. The dogs aren't even there. I can't go get the dogs because now I got COVID. I mean, it was, it was a disaster. Oh, I was man. very frustrated, but I had Sorry, Jamie called to check that, on me. And Josh, every time I talked to him, laughed at me. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still friend, cracking. Yeah. My yeah. eyes are watering if you're yeah. watching this. This yeah. is funny. So, I mean, so, yeah, get, get us moving because I yeah, can just keep cracking up about so, that. So talk to us about, from your perspective, uh, what we're seeing in the oil field right now. I mean, we, we've, we've got, a, we've got a, an oil price that under normal circumstances would, would buoy some, uh, some activity, which we're seeing some uptick in activity. Um, but, you know, there's, there, the confidence is not there. There's mm-hmm. still a lot of unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are you guys seeing? What are you guys thinking? And, and uh, I know asking you to tell us what your crystal ball looks like and everybody's just got mud all over it it's, right now. It's so. very cloudy, but, I th- you know, I do. I actually am feeling better than I have let's go back to earlier comment i thought mid 2020 was going to be a good year right? right and um i thought the second half of 2020 was going to be good because things were starting to line out and i think COVID is just going to exacerbate all that so um you know there's on so many different ways so if i look at um for for down here i think you know everybody has been very much focused on capital discipline right which <clears throat> I was at a, a conference last year last year in New York and we were talking about capital discipline in the Permian and I, I kind of laughed. I said, you know, because there's been so much, su- such a lack of capital discipline in the Permian, every other basin in, in North America has had to have extreme capital discipline, right? So, so the fact that we've got capital discipline now in the Permian, and I do think it's there to stay. I mean, we're seeing the rig counts go up and you're seeing the private equity money come in a little bit. But people aren't spending 200% of cash flow again. That's just my opinion, right? I, I just don't see that happening. I think it's going to be... Um, it will doom us right? if it, they do it. Right. And, and I don't think the banks will let it happen. I don't think you know any of the boards are going to let it happen. It's going to be a percentage of cash flow. So somewhere around that 70, 80, if you have a really good prospect, maybe you, one year you go a little higher or whatever. But I think by and large the the gold rush money seems to be gone and so now it's it's a little bit more okay we got to run this as a business we actually have to make money so that feels a lot better um i think there's a huge amount of pent-up demand um lots of people say travel isn't going to come back i call bs on that i think travel is coming agreed i i think any surplus oil that might be there um, is going to dissipate very quickly with demand coming back once once these economies do fully open up, which I still think is probably somewhere end of Q3, somewhere between the end of Q2 and end of Q3. I still think that's it's a fair a, guess. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think there's there's pent up demand there. I think, you know, that's going to bode well. I think this time around, again, what got us in the hot water initially was the Saudis saying, all right, enough of this, right? Enough of the, the gold rush money. Um, and so they've they took the long game in 2014, and they were pretty successful at it, and like going where where we're at today. Um, but what they did back then wasn't economic, and now I think they're fairly committed to establishing a higher oil price, and, and all their activities seem to to, to kind of point in that direction, right? But can I ask you a question yeah, though in that regard? Do you think we would not have ended up? eventually the same place we we ended up had the Saudis not acted and the reason I ask that is 
you look at all the money that came into you want to call it the shell boom, the shell revolution, whatever. Yeah. And in the you know the capital destruction people talk about. Never mind the fact that we provided low cost energy prices. You know, cost of energy to people. But I'm seeing all of that uh, gold rush money now go green. Right. And 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 I think I think to a degree that's great to see. Right. That's that's always been there. You know, neat new emerging technologies that have promise should get investment. But you're seeing this 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 flood of capital go in that direction. And I think kind of similar to what we saw with the the shell boom, more or less, if you want to call it that, is we're going to see that in in the in the in the the green revolution. Everybody's got the green drug in their system, because there's only so much room for so much capital right. to to a point where you're just you're putting capital to work in places where it just can't go to work. Do you think um, Do you think we'll see? And say a year or two after the billions, if not trillions, of dollars get invested, chasing the green drug, that, and we see a, a buoyed oil price start to come up and gas price start to come up, because we we're not in a position where we can totally transition away from oil and natural gas. That we'll see some of that capital kind of flow back into this into the space, or try to. I I 100% agree with that. Yeah. I, I think. Um I'm not very smart, so I kind of try and keep it I'm simple as far there. as, you know, um, two things, fear and greed, right? And yeah. fear has been there to establish, you know, all, all everything. When fear is in the air, you know, there's because there's always two sides to everything, right? So when fear is in the air, you take the negative, everything gets all the headline press and everything else. But at the end of the day, greed comes in there as well. And so you're see, you're even seeing it today a little bit, David. Like I think there's sector rotation. There's money coming back into the sector. I mean, um there's there's money coming in both on the producer side and on the service side because it's just the valuations are so ridiculously low right so mm-hmm. so yeah I, f- I fully agree with that i think we've seen a lot of that with with cannabis too right where there was the, the all the the money going to pick winners on the cannabis side and then all of a sudden there's there's the music stops and there's not charge for everybody and so right you know and so then okay where do we where's the next piece so i agree with you i think money will come back in i just think it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what what the model is going to be, right? Mm-hmm. And that that's where I'm interested to see how, what that looks like. Is it going to be the same as it was before, or are they going to be looking for maybe a new twist on things, right? There's been a lot of comparisons, which I, I hate these comparisons, but they're out there. So, um, you know, about you know oil being the next tobacco, right, and, and all that. Well, tobacco, after it went through what it went through, has come back quite nicely, right? Mm-hmm. And they're making good money on tobacco, but they're they're paying huge dividends. They're you know again, it's you know our our business historically isn't much of a dividend um, kind of model because of, because of the ups and downs in it. it. It's tough to have that dividend side to it. But um, you know, I'm I'm reminded of the the income trust model that we ran in Canada for a little while, which was very successful, um, even though you'd historically not. Um, and for those of you that don't know, the income trust model was—it was basically you pay out your pre-tax income. Um, it got shut down um, 
as a company, it was great because you never had income taxes. Uh, from an investor standpoint, it was great because you weren't getting dividends, which were after tax on the company level. And, and yes, you get a bit of a tax break as an investor, but you'd rather have the bigger piece that's pre-tax from the company side, right? So yeah, you paid a little bit more money on your distributions from a tax standpoint, but you, you got more money to, to make up for it. So um, I was actually talking to a friend who's, who's the investment banking side, and I said, you know, if only the trust model could come back because this would be perfect for it. Yeah. And uh, and he said he's actually they've actually been sending letters to uh, to our friends in Ottawa asking for exactly that. If you want to stimulate the economy and stimulate money coming back into the sector, that would be a great way to do it. Um, but so I think that's for me is going to be what what not not a question of if, but when it comes back, what are the triggers? Right? What are what are what do we need to do as an industry to um, bring that capital, attract that capital. You know, ESG is probably you know obviously that's that's the the uh, the acronym of the of the well probably for for the next you decade. Know, I was I'm glad David kind of alluded to that. and I wanted to follow up. Yeah. That's a. I think it's just like anything, right? When you don't know what it, you don't know. It's 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 maybe a little scary here. Or there. Scary, maybe not the right word, but just annoying. Because like, well, wait a minute, we're already doing this stuff. Well, yeah, we are doing these things, but we're not telling people about right. it. Just part of our problem. Right. Uh, as in as an industry, which is again part of this. Hopefully, the podcast is part of that solution. So I am curious to know from a leadership standpoint with the different companies you guys have, what does ESG look like to you? What is because I, I the more I get into it, it's really just telling the story of things we're already doing, and then maybe focusing on some things we're not, which yeah. are things worthy of focusing on anyway. Couldn't agree more. I think um, you know when I look back. Generally, what I tell my guys all the time is ESG is where HSC was 15 years ago, right? Yeah. It's, um, HSC was, was kind of a, a buzzword for a while, and, and then it's become so prevalent, like it just became mainstream, right? So it was everything we do is, and now HSC, like I've, we've, we've built a, um, a, a, a pyramid that we always use internally, which we've got our, our Mission Zero is our our operating platform, and it's it's a combined HSC and quality platform because the two are so intertwined now that you have to have both. You can't have one without the other, right? right. So it's 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 in my mind a bit foolhardy to have an HSC platform that's separate from a quality platform. They they are one and, and the same, and closely layered above that now is are the elements of ESG, right? So. And to your point, Josh, I think that's where it gets interesting because, you know, if I look back at our flowback, for example, um, part of the reason we came down in 2004 um, to the Jonah field is because we had closed loop vessels. So we had closed loop systems. So um, there was no, there was no, nothing going to atmosphere, right? And it was economic for, for a customer at the time. That's, that's what they wanted. They wanted to capture mm -hmm. all the gas, but there was definitely, we called it the green completion. This was back in 2004. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so you're right. It's, it's part of what we do, but we as an industry have to figure out how to take, how to A, get the data and B, what to do with the data once mm -hmm. it's created, right? And in, in such a way that it helps our customers. And that's, that's the way I look at it. I'm, I'm a service guy. I need to help my customers look good. Mm -hmm. If I can help my customers look good, they're going to want to use me, right? Um, so ESG is definitely a huge component of that. But, you know, basic things like like good board governance. I mean, that's, that's not specific yeah, exactly. to it, right? It's, that's just, you should, should be, be yeah, it right. should just be or good. you shouldn't be in business. Business well, practice, right? 
And that's what I've been preaching so much, particularly with like the Energy SG Council, which we're actually having our first in-person board meeting next week, which I'm excited about. Last year was somewhat of a lost year, but all of this starts with good governance. But it's 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 um, if you've got good governance, and if you've got a if you've got a board and a management team and a company aligned with the the concept that there's always room for continuous improvement, and right. the only way you can do that is if you're measuring, because you can't manage what you can't measure. In regards to that, and kind of the challenges um, your customers have. Um, both from an economic perspective and a perception perspective, are y'all doing anything differently as it relates to um, the way you you manage and, and run your businesses? Is there technology that you're utilizing to help you better understand not only your business, but to also help your customers better understand what they're trying to do? That's as a differentiator. That's a big loaded question, but um, so I'll answer that in a couple different ways. I think first, um, the reality, and this goes back to your comment as well, Josh, is some of it, some of it we're already doing. So I actually had the conversation this morning um, where it was like, okay, let's let's figure out where the benchmark is, right? So what do we, let's encapsulate everything that we're already doing today, which we know that we might not be bragging about because it hasn't been important that important but there's there's some real significant things that we do on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. that are already important again going back to the green completion which we've been doing for since and and in, in canada that was a requirement in the 90s right so yeah. it's it's been going on for a long time and so so what are we doing today and then because and then let's develop a strategy because you need a strategy because i do think it's it's customer by customer right now because again if i'm in the business of making my customer look good I need to know what the triggers are for that customer. And so it is a bit of a choose your own adventure, right? Every one of them seems to be a bit of a, you know, how do we, how do we take, so we're, we're getting into the habit of asking our customers, what are your trigger points, right? Where, where do you, I, I had a lunch last July with a customer where we were sitting at lunch and I was talking about ESG and I said, you know, we're, we're talking about, um, you know, things we could do for on a closed loop basis and that how we had to get rid of open tops and we had to just capture all the gases and, and, and vapor recovery units and et cetera, et cetera. And, and I kept mentioning ESG and, and he just finally stops me. He says, sorry, he says, remind me, what is ESG? And so I, I you know, I told him. And so he, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, thanks. And so fast forward um, to, I think it was early February this year, we talked to the same guy, and now he's gotten a mandate from his board, on e- and he's fully up to speed, right? So in that short of a time span, he's really come up to speed. But now I need to understand what his board is telling him where they need to focus, right? Mm-hmm. So, so it is a bit of a choose-your-own-adventure. you got to figure out where, where to fit, and, and it's not we're not big enough to sit there and say, here, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do from an ESG standpoint. Um, we are going to look at it from a customer by customer basis and start out with what we already do. Um, I do, uh, we're in the, pro- in the process of starting up, a, a, we have an ESG sta- strategy. Um, one of the things being private equity backed, uh, that, that a luxury we afforded ourselves last year was to not shut down our innovation. We've got a little innovation team. And so the innovation team, their whole, um, mandate is to 
develop new technologies has to be with ESG in mind, right? And not just to become more beneficial, but how we can measure it and how we can sell it, right? It's got to be in your commercial model because um, it still has to make sense from an economic standpoint, right? Um, so, so I think that's where now we can start putting our own flavor on where we're going to take ESG and build out our strategy a little bit. So, so it is a like I say, it's a it's kind of a multi-layered response. Um, I don't know if it was clear enough, but yeah, it's it's the perfect answer because one of the things you just said was we're not big enough. And before, I'm glad David took this conversation that way. The the big companies have a, it's like McDonald's, right? They have a different pressure than right. a small business does. <clears throat> the the companies at your size and really even a, a leader like you, like it's important for people to hear a leader with all respect. I mean, some some people are going to listen has never have never heard of you. They've never heard of the company. Sure. But to know that people that are in Canada, in Denver, in Houston, wherever, are doing this with with a willing attitude is important because we do want these people, these stories to be told. We do want the the industry to be looked at in the light that it should be looked at. Because as you mentioned, I mean, you guys are doing things from 2004 right. that, that you're probably just now advertising it in a way that's not just commercially viable. Right. The interesting thing about um, ESG is that I don't think a lot of people fully understand it because right. they don't understand its origin. I mean, this was this all started from a comment that Kofi Annan, who's Secretary General of the UN in 1999, made at Davos that sparked into what became the UN Global Compact, which then turned into the UN Sustainability Goals, um, the SDGs. There's 17 of them, I guess. And I think they're everything that a lot of people can agree on. They're aspirational, they make you feel good, et cetera. And the crazy thing is, <clears throat> when I think about the, the energy industry, and I, I work with a lot of the energy industry, operators, service companies, et cetera. I know these companies inside and out, the boards, the management teams, the people. The industry as a whole really is, is not that far off track if you think about what the intent was. I think the interesting thing is how, how this concept is um, somewhat nebulous uh, and very subjective. Um, somewhat nefarious with some groups in terms of where, where they're trying to take it. But I think the industry uh, needs to embrace this is that opportunity to turn this into um, kind of round two or three at their PR attempt to not only beat our chest and say all the good things we do, uh, but you know educate everybody who's trying to figure it out. Because mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of misinformation there. But again, it's, it's how you package package that information, educate people, be be respectful of of their interpretations of things and, and, and try to get them there. I think there's some people you're just never going to get there. It's almost no. become a religion. It's, that's what uh, Crenshaw said. Yeah. Yeah. But it um, it's interesting. So this has been a great discussion. I um, you know when David wraps it up with Kofi and on. Yeah. That it's been a great you discussion. You throw out the Kofi Annan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Kofi I think Annan one of our prime away. ministers was trying to did get really? his job. Yeah. 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 I didn't know that. That's another story. Yeah. When did he pass away? Uh, I want to say it was last year or the year oh, before. Well, I didn't realize he had. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, anyways, obviously mixed emotions on on, uh, on that gentleman. But uh, 
certainly, you know, wish him and his family well. Uh, with that being said, <laughs> we're, we're going to delete that part. <laughs> Kofi. Yeah, let's pour some out for Kofi. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, we're going to delete that. Wish him and his family. That was good. Oh, yeah. that's pretty funny. Oh, man. Kofi, wherever you are. Yeah. Yeah. Aces, oh, buddy. Shit, Aces. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh gosh, that's shit. funny. All right, sorry. Well, yeah. Do you want to? Do you want to close this out? Or do you want yeah. me to? Because we, because we always ask our guests, and we'll, we'll you know, <laughs> exactly. I don't know. We might have to leave that in. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't want to be that. That would be truly disrespectful. <laughs> uh, well, listen. So you've never been on a podcast before. No. Uh, do you listen to podcasts? Uh, yes. You've heard our podcast. Yes, I have. So you know what we're about to hit you with at the no, end of this podcast. No, I do not. Oh, that tells me you haven't. Can listened. we borrow twenty dollars? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How much money do you have in your pocket right yeah, now? Yeah, exactly. No, no. no. Um, it, one of the things that we ask. So we always tell people like it's very difficult for someone uh, coming into the industry or or that would like to meet you to get a full hour of right. their time or your time. Yeah. So. This is, it's going to be, before we were off air, we were talking about how many people are going to hear this, and you're going to be very surprised by the outreach that it has. So um, if this might be the only person or the only time that anybody gets to interact with you, really. And so we always say, if there was a piece of advice or a pearl of wisdom that you could pass along to a 20-year-ago version of you or a 20, you know, a person or just getting into the industry, uh, is there something you would like to pass on to them or something that you live by, a credo that you live by? Okay. You know what? I, I think, honestly, um, be open for what life throws at you, right? Those are things. Um, challenge yourself. I, if you would have asked me, you know, 20 years ago, would I be CEO of an oil field services company? I would have said not a chance. Um, and, you know, have have confidence but have humility, right? So don't ever think you're the smartest guy in the room. Just always make sure that you you operate with humility and and then it's the same thing i tell my kids if you want to just treat people how you want to be treated right and always think about what the flip side could look like and and you do that and things will go well for you right and you'll get into things that guaranteed that you never thought were possible or you never really aspired to or or you'll do things that that you just you know weren't kind of down the wheelhouse right but have the ability to be open to new things and um don't be scared don't be scared i'll have to be I, that i we get these answers all the time and obviously we have our own personal but that one hits me the hardest i believe that to be one of the biggest truths that's available try keep an open mind and just go and see right. what happens don't be afraid yep. we had one of our guests on here that he said his line was, uh, they're not going to eat you. And I just love that. That's awesome. That's yeah. a great one. Yeah, that just is. don't be afraid. That was Clay yeah. Williams, wasn't it? Oh, it's been a minute. I don't yeah, know. I think it was. I just it loved was, it. They're not yeah. going to eat you. So this has been great. It has been. been. Thank so you. So what we also want to do is give you a chance to promote uh, any website or what do you guys, where, where should people go to look for your stuff? Yeah, www.edgeofs.com. And uh, so we're laughing at you here because the three is, W's. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You've dated yourself quickly. <laughs> Our millennial friends are like, what do you, Oops. nobody says WW. I never, I did start out saying I was old. So there you go. Uh, yeah. OFS, edgeofs.com. And then that Us takes you to. like David and I here. So yeah. yeah, exactly. That'll take you to the individual links. But yeah. That's I'm sorry. Right. One more time. What is it? O- edgeofs.com. Okay. Okay. 
I got to share one thing with y'all last night that I thought was so so funny. Entertaining. I, I met up with a friend of mine for a a quick adult beverage before we went to the baseball game because I was on uh, uh, father duty, which I always enjoy. But uh, uh, anyways, in the, in the restroom, uh, it was there's a sign that says, uh, you know, the waiter to the patron, uh, sir, how would you like your steak? And the patron says to the waiter. <clears throat> Uh, the same way uh, when I argue with my wife and, and win. And the waiter says back to the patron, so rare, sir. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, so, uh, David, it is good to be back. Yeah, this has been great. Um, uh, Rutger Nears, thank yes, you sir. for your time. Thank you for having me. Yeah, It's, it's been really great. been a pleasure. Uh, yeah. Quite enjoyable story. Canadians, tell our friends up north we love them. We thank miss you. them. Hope they're doing well. Um, <laughs> well wishes. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, David, is there anything you want to finish up with? No. 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 Okay. This has been fun. I'm glad we were finally able to get Rutger down yeah. here. Yeah. And uh, we got we got some more exciting guests on the way. Yeah, we do. And uh, with uh, things starting some to big, open back big, up. Yeah. Some yeah. big stories that are going to come out. Yeah. It's going to be a great year for the podcast. As always, we appreciate all our supporters and listeners. And uh, the podcast is huge. It's growing. So look us up at oilfield360.com. Check us out on all of our social media channels. Uh, usually it's just oilfield360. We're on every one of them. Uh, Fletcher Azul, Tequila, United Airlines, Simmons, uh, Prang. Yeah, uh, I, also wanted to, I also want to make sure some people know about some, some friends of ours that we've been supportive of some podcasts they've done. We've got Leslie Byer with the Energy Workforce yes. and Technology Council. She's doing the Energy and Transition podcast mm -hmm. here. We got our friend Wesley Hunt and his brother. Yeah, they're killing it, by the way. Yeah, great podcast called In the Hunt. And, uh, you know, tackling some really, Their video really good got, issues. Oh, I think it was 100,000 views. <clears throat> That's a lot of views. <clears throat> that was great. Yeah. We got uh, Galtway Industries, mm -hmm. highly capable podcast. And uh, we got Jeff Peoples doing a podcast. Uh, what is it, Mission so, Zero? So, yeah, you've been gone so long. People are just, it's like sneaking in here. Yeah, they're sneaking in our podcast Seriously, studio. they're sneaking in. They're doing podcasts here. Drinking all of our Fletcher, quite honestly, yeah. which is yeah, an issue. That's but why we they're doing it. we got to start charging. We do. We, well, we'll <laughs> tackle that later. Yeah. Uh, as we like to finish these up, if you have any complaints, questions, that, that something didn't sound right, email those to david at oilfield360.com. <laughs> if you have any compliments on how great this was, send them to josh at oilfield360.com. You know, the one thing I did not do today is comment on uh, the, the laces. Not this, just laces. Look at these shoes. Well, those not are, only the shoes, but also the sock toys today. Up. These are awesome. Yeah. These are the new Cole Haan kind of casuals. Very I love nice. them. Yeah. I'm hip. I don't say WWW anything. Oh, Looks like he got I'm, those I'm in your Easter basket that one or down. something. You know? I, I did. I mean, look yeah. at me. I got my Masters shirt yeah. on. Yeah. I'm, going to the, I'm going to the Astros game tonight. Yeah. So. Uh, well, that's it. Again, Great. thank you for your time, thank sir. You. Yeah, David, appreciate thank you. Good to see you, Rutger. Naro, thank you. Jonathan's out today, so thank you for stepping in and getting us going. Uh, if you have any questions, give us a call. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. The Oilfield 360 podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. United Airlines. As Houston's hometown airline, United has long been the preferred carrier of the energy sector. United for Business offers a range of programs and discounted travel options built for all of your energy, resource, and marine travel needs. Get started at united.com business.
Piper Sandler. The energy and power team of Piper Sandler is committed to the global energy industry and delivers exceptional client services in M&A advisory, capital markets execution, institutional sales, and investment research. For more information, please visit pipersandler.com slash energy and power. Prang & Associates, the global energy search leader. Prang & Associates is the world's leading executive search firm totally dedicated to the energy industry. Over our 39 years, we have assisted more than 750 management teams and boards in 75 countries and conducted nearly 3,600 engagements. For more information, please visit prang.com. Range Valuation Services. Range is the only oil and gas focused valuation and appraisal firm in the financial services industry. Range specializes in appraising and valuing oil field equipment, machinery, inventory, and property, and customarily works directly with clients, lenders, investment bankers, insurers, and private equity and debt sponsors. For more information, please visit rangevaluationservices.com. Daniel Energy Partners, in-basin research you can trust a leading provider of U.S. oil field research, known for its original boots-on-the-ground research approach, as well as its famous barbecue events. Daniel Energy Partners utilizes both its extensive network of top oil field professionals and frequent in-basin field tours to provide real-time market intelligence. Visit DanielEP.com for information. Locked in Global Energy and Marine, uncommonly independent. Lockton is the world's largest privately owned insurance broker and risk finance advisor. Lockton's global energy expertise is centered in Houston and represents the largest concentration of energy specialists, clients, and experiential knowledge in the upstream, midstream, and downstream segments of the oil and gas industry. Visit Lockton.com for more information. Upright Digital. Upright Digital specializes in partnering with your business to maximize marketing efficiencies. We have a deep understanding of people, their needs, motivations, behaviors, as well as the technologies that enable brands in many industries to utilize what is available in a changing digital landscape. Find us online at uprightdigital.com.